Praise the Lord. So tonight, tonight's uh, theme that I'd like to share with you is uh, know who you are in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. So as an introduction, uh, actually, uh, we have a self-awareness or we come to know who we are uh, through others. That's the way we, we become uh, uh, aware of who we are. So how do you know you are tall? It is when you meet uh, people who are not too tall. You know? <laughs> how, do you, how do you know you are dark uh, when you meet fair people? It's always through comparison uh, that we get identity. So one of the sad things that uh, that has really plagued our our part of the world is uh, caste. You know, so people are when they are born, they are locked into a caste. So uh, in our country, of course, there is caste uh, discrimination or caste awareness but much more in a country like India. And uh, you, you could see that uh, I've seen and I've read how a, a low-caste person would drink water from a high-caste well and uh, be murdered for it, you know. So, so then you begin to realize, you know, that, uh, that uh, people are identified uh, uh, by how they interact with others. Sometimes we are given value. Sometimes our value is uh, taken away. And uh, the tendency to relate to God also that way is very high. So we have a tendency to, to have a relationship with God in and through the way others have had a relationship with God over our lifetime. And uh, sometimes uh, this relationship is not too flattering. You know, uh, God seems distant. God seems uh, disinterested. Uh, God seems not to care about things. And then uh, we also tend to think that God is like a spoiled sport. You know, uh, he's all the time asking for the best things you have. You know, if you like a drink, he's asking for that. You know? if, if you like a smoke, he's asking for that. You know. You have a, a relationship that uh, you tend to, uh, you know, uh, have some pleasure and joy in. And he's saying that's wrong, you know. So, so what happens is that people tend to avoid God as much as possible, you know. Uh, keep him at an arm's length. Unless, of course, you have to go, you know. If you get cancer, then, of course, cancer is worse than your bad, wrong relationship. Then you go to God, you know. <laughs> So what happens is most people, you know, it's like going to God is like I've said earlier, like going to the dentist. You know, uh, you go because you have to. <laughs> you you hate you hate otherwise. You know, there's no joy in it. You know? So in that in that in that way, uh, we may really lose the beauty of what God has for us. So I've been thinking this. You know, uh, how many of us? Think uh, uh, how God sees us. How does He look at us? You know, so there is this uh, 
piece of cloth in a in a church in in Italy, where uh, uh, when they tell you the history, a thousand years ago somebody came and gave this cloth to this uh, uh, to this monastery, and it has been there since that time. And today they 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 have matched this with the with the uh, cloth of the holy shroud and the patches on it, and it seems to be matching. And now they are thinking that uh, this may actually be a, a something that covered the face of Jesus uh, when he was put into the tomb. You know, and uh, this has an amazing the, with the eyes open. You know, and uh, when you look at this cloth from any place, it's looking at you. It's an amazing thing, you know. It keeps looking at you from about the eleventh century, you know. And uh, the monk who was explaining this to us, he explained many people come here and sit there and allow Jesus to look at them, and that becomes a tremendous revelation. And I think that that's really beautiful because most of the time uh, we come to God with our own baggage, with our own understanding, and we spend a lot of time dealing with that. But maybe that we don't spend enough time uh, allowing God to tell us who we are. So that's why today's topic, know who you are in Christ. And in these days, I'm actually uh, reflecting more and more deeply as if the Holy Spirit is pushing me i have this i have this experience over my lifetime there are certain topics that the holy spirit seems to keep pushing me go there go there you know and uh, sometimes the knowledge that you start receiving and the revelation becomes amazing because god seems to be pushing you there to reflect in that period you know and uh, in this time uh, the lord seems to be pushing me to look deeply at this gift of baptism or the sacrament of baptism which God has given us. Actually, we have not looked deeply at baptism. Uh, actually, I'm thinking, I'm trying to go back. I did theology in the 1980s. You know, uh, We did the, the study and the theology of baptism and the sacraments. You know, But I, I, now I'm just thinking, why didn't it register? You know, Why didn't this tremendous truth register? the power of baptism and to know who you are in Christ we need to look at the sacrament of baptism actually baptism is like the doorway into all the other sacraments and we don't seem to notice that you know the church emphasizes the eucharist rightly as the pinnacle and the source and summit of our faith true but even the Eucharist is valid only for those who are baptized. You know? And then only begin to realize, you know, because we have these public masses, and then they announce, they say, only baptized Catholics should come up and receive. You know? So that means without baptism, you don't have the Eucharist. You know? Without baptism, you don't have confession. There are in our four-step retreats, there are people who are who are non-Christian, who are touched by the retreat and they want to make confession. They go to the priest and the priest says, sorry, I can hear your story, but I can't give you absolution because you're not baptized. 
So we, em we emphasize but we, uh, the Eucharist, rightly so. We emphasize the priesthood, rightly so. But forgetting that all of this really emerges from the sacrament of baptism. And maybe we have not dwelt deeply into that sacrament in a special way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise so to, tonight I want to share something about baptism. I want to start, I want to continue, you know, I'm, I'm burdened by this because I think a lot of people don't know who they are in Christ because they don't know about baptism. And actually, uh, uh, in the early church, the baptism was like one of the main events, the or the event of the early church calendar, because they prepared people, they called them the catechumens, prepared them over a year, telling them what they will become in baptism, telling them the worth and the value, the shift that will take place in their life because of baptism. And then they were initiated into the process, understanding, and then baptized on the Easter Vigil. And that was like the main event of the early church. Over time, uh, baptism was so important. There was this huge discussion. What happens to children who are not baptized and die? You know? And due, because of this theological uh, concern, uh, infant baptism uh, came into the church. And the result was that uh, the, they appointed godparents, you know, why do you think they appointed godparents, you know? Not to be God, you know, but, <laughs> but to initiate this child into the, into the worth, the value, the meaning, the fruits of baptism. That's why they're godparents. And of course they agreed, you know, but they didn't know what they were agreeing to. <laughs> I don't think I don't think even the people who instructed them knew what they were agreeing to. And as a result, most of us Christians are ignorant of this great gift of baptism. We have it, but we don't have value for it. You know, it's like this, you know, uh, many years ago when I was a young man, I remember my father had some lands in which they were gemming, you know. You know, for for gems, and uh, the, they found a gem. They said uh, this gem uh, has died. You know that means the value, the 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 gem value had died, it had expired. You know, I never knew that a gem can expire. They said this is an ordinary stone now. You know, and uh, it looked nice because it had some green inside it. You know, and uh, so I I brought it home because they said this is of no value. You know. And I kept it as a paperweight on my table. So one day, a, a gem merchant who came to meet my father, uh, he saw this uh, uh, stone here. And he took it up. And he became very excited. He told me, from where do you get this? I said, from one of our gem pits. You know, they said, it's dead. He told me, are you crazy? This is valuable. You know? They don't know how to measure the value of this. And he bought it on the spot. So he knew the value. For many of us, I'm thinking, we are all having gems. 
a gem of immense value, the identity of baptism. And we don't use it, we don't value it, we don't experience its power because we are not open to this truth. Praise the Lord. So, tonight, I want to go there, I want to start and next week, we will uh, we will continue. So, the meaning of baptism is immersion. Baptized coming from the Greek, immersion. You can even call it drowning. <laughs> Drown the guys. <laughs> Put them in the water. Immersion. So, the context is very simple. You put the old in the water and you bring out the new. It's amazing. You put the old into the water and you bring out the new. And it's given beautifully. Uh, the, the, the background to this is given in the scriptures beautifully. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 explains beautifully the, what happens in baptism. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So I want to simplify this. You know, The, the real challenge is uh, to take theology and simplify it so that people can receive it into their hearts and also become an experience. You know, So uh, I was given a real challenge a few months ago. I was in the Divine Retreat Center in India, where they had this international youth retreat, you know, 3,000 young men and women. And uh, very kindly, they gave me the topic of preaching the sacraments, you know, and <laughs> preaching sacraments to 3,000 young people <laughs> is really a challenge, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, and uh, took, I took a long time to really bring it down to modern age, you know. How do we make it relevant in that time, you know. So, in the same way, uh, the Eucharist, the, the I'm sorry, the baptism, St. Paul is speaking very clearly, it's the submersion of the old and the immersion or the emerging of the new. That's what you mean by baptism. You submerge the old and out of it will emerge the new. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise so, there are three things that you drown in baptism. If you're writing it down, you can write it down. The three things that you drown in baptism. Number one, the ancestry of Adam. And you, the ancestry of Adam can be called original sin. You drown the ancestry of Adam so that uh, so that the number one thing that is drowned is the ancestry of Adam. Then what comes up? Once it's drowned, you can write down the opposite of that. What comes out is the new Adam, the image of the new Adam. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. Isn't that beautiful? You can write it one in front of the other. That really makes it 
clear. You know. Number one, the first thing, you drown in the water the ancestry of Adam, which is original sin. That's where we have big issues, our sinfulness. When you come out of the water, you're receiving the gift of a new life, a new Adam. We are adopted as sons and daughters because we join the lineage of Christ. This is an amazing gift of baptism. So why we didn't see it that way, I don't know. <laughs> but that's really what, what's offered to us. The second thing that drowns is our sin and sinfulness. Our sin and sinfulness is drowned in the water of baptism, in the blood of Christ. What emerges? What emerges is holiness and reconciliation with God. This is an amazing, amazing truth. Number three, what goes under the water is our broken nature. What emerges? What emerges is a new creation in the nature of Christ. We inherit the nature of Christ. Now, this is done by the sacrament of baptism. Again, I'm, I'm just bringing it together. We drown our ancestry in Adam and we emerge with the ancestry of the new Adam, Jesus. We are adopted sons and daughters. We drown our sin and sinfulness in Christ and what emerges is holiness and reconciliation with God. We drown the old, our broken nature and what emerges is the new nature of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Actually, uh, one of our bishops uh, this morning, uh, he has uh, listened to this talk on Wednesday. He may have listened it on, on, on online, on the YouTube. He's taken this part out, which I have just described, and uh, sent it to me uh, uh, with a sign underneath uh, saying, that's what we need to teach. So actually, uh, it's beautiful when you when you begin to realize maybe we have never ever seen this before that baptism makes us different people. We we inherit that we inherit the ancestry of Jesus. We inherit holiness through the forgiveness of our sin, and we inherit a new nature, a new creation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So this, what I want to show you tonight, I'm not going to show you too much. I'm going to show you tonight. This actually is seen right through in the Bible. This old, old things being drowned and a new thing emerging. It's like a theme of the Bible. You know that in the, in the early church, the, the, Fathers of the church, when they read the Bible, they read it very differently from us. Now, how we read the Bible is we ask the question, is it true? 
<laughs> when did it happen? You know, how can that be? You know, for God's sake, you know, how can how can things like that, how can a man live for 150 years? You know, the moment you know, we are we are asking those questions. But when the early church read the Old Testament, they were looking for the signs of Christ. Where does it mention Jesus Christ? And it's amazing. When they read the Old Testament, they saw the signs of baptism right from the start. And I want to show you how the early church saw this. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Praise the Lord. Now, here again, if you look at this text, you will see there is darkness, there is chaos. There is water, which is the whole creation. There is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit moves over the water of darkness and chaos, out of it emerges creation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Baptism. That's what the early church, church fathers said. Genesis 1-2 is the earliest sign of baptism. When God's spirit moved over the chaos and darkness and the chaos and darkness was drowned in the light and the organized creation of the universe. So this dual action of God can be seen right at the start. The second example that the early church gave us actually is Noah. And Noah and baptism are linked by St. Peter himself. So if you look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. So... Uh, it starts incomplete, so I'm going to add uh, two, two words, otherwise it will not be clear. To those who disobeyed long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, it, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. I want you to recognize the pattern. What's the pattern? The pattern is the, the sinful the dark, the chaos, the old is drowned. And what remains is pure, holy. Only eight remain, baptism. And now you begin to realize the beauty of this whole understanding, you know, baptism. And St. Peter connects it directly. Look at the next verse, 321. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, I'm just going to bring in this to the, the beautiful connection of, uh, of baptism. What goes into the water is the old self. The old Adam's nature of original sin, our, 
our sin and sinfulness and what else? Our broken nature. What comes out of the baptism is the new creation. What is that? We are linked to the lineage of Jesus and adopted sons and daughters. We are forgiven by his blood and we are made holy. And third, we, we, we join into his very nature. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My brother, my sister, this tremendous gift of baptism, I'm thinking we have missed. We are behaving as if nothing of that has happened in our life. The next example is the crossing of the Red Sea. I'm not going to the scripture because we have enough scripture of that. It's the next sign of baptism that the early church saw. What is that? Pharaoh and his army represents the dark side, the sin. Now drowned in the water of the Red Sea. The Hebrew people who went to the other side represent the new creation, a people of God. You can see how baptism, the early church saw baptism in the Exodus. The old is gone, the new has come. The fourth example, beautifully given to us, is the people of God under the leadership of Joshua crossing the Jordan into the promised land. The early church clearly said, the early church said, that's the sign. The people who were slaves, who were lost, are now restored. A people of God with a new land. They have acquired a completely new identity. Praise the Lord. So my brothers and sisters, this tremendous gift of baptism, which we have received, lies unused within our own hearts. And tonight, I just want to invite you, let's open ourselves to that experience. And the great example of this is Jesus himself. If you go to the baptismal experience of Jesus tonight, you will see this beautiful thing, how the old and the new are connected. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Look at the next verse. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Remember what John was doing. John was telling people to submerge their old sinful ways in the water. And then when they got out of the water, he was telling them, now live a new life. And John knew that Jesus didn't have sin. So that's why he said, I need to be baptized by you, not you by me. But look at what Jesus said. Look at the next verse. Jesus replied, 
Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. But Jesus said, no, we must do this to fulfill all righteousness. I have to listen carefully to what I'm saying. Why did Jesus enter the baptism for sin when he had no sin? The answer is very simple, very powerful. The answer is, though he didn't have any sin, he carried on his shoulder the sin of the world. Your sin and my sin. So when Jesus got into the water, he was the Lamb of God. John predicted it in John 1.29. John predicted and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in Jesus' baptism, all of us have entered a new creation. It's an amazing, amazing truth. So when he went under the water, he was carrying the ancestry of Adam and drowning it. Original sin. He was carrying our sins and drowning it so that we could have holiness. He was carrying our broken nature and drowning it so that we could share in his very nature. Praise the Lord. Why we didn't know this about baptism, uh, God only knows. <laughs> we, we, we learn this, you know, as a theological truth, but Actually, to know this amazing gift, because he carried, he didn't have any reason to carry, to be baptized for sin. He didn't have. John said it. He said, you, you have no reason. But he had. The reason was, he was carrying our sin, our brokenness, our ancestry. Therefore, when he's coming up out of the water, what he's having is also ours. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What he drowned is ours. So when he's coming up out of the water, what he's bringing out is also ours. If you believe and possess it by faith. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise Shall we just praise and thank the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank, thank you. you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. What did he bring out of the water? Verse 16 will explain it, bring it to us. Now you remember what he drowned. What did he bring out of the water? As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. Actually, it's beautiful. The favor of God. Heaven was opened. The heaven that was opened over Jesus is now opened over you and me at our baptism. must remember that. Heaven is open. We come under the favor of God. It goes on. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. The second thing, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. And anyone who is baptized, heaven opens above them. And the Holy Spirit descends on us because Jesus took our sin and ancestry and put it in the water. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise my brother, my sister, we need to hold this in our hearts. Look at the verse 17. There is more. 
And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Because Jesus carried our sin into the water and drowned it. And when he's coming out, what God the Father is telling Jesus right now is the same words he's telling us because we are baptized into Christ. Praise the Lord. 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 And what are the words? The voice tells us, this is my son. He's telling you, he's telling me, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. I'm going to say it differently. You are my son. You are my daughter. Whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise how does that happen? Remember what how that happens. Jesus carries our ancestry of Adam, our sin, our broken nature, and submerges it in the water of baptism. And when Jesus comes out with a new nature, it is for us. And when we believe it, it starts happening in our own lives. Praise the Lord. 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 Next month, next week, uh, through the Acts of the Apostles, I'll show you how the first sermon of Peter confirms this. I have no time to really go there. I have to share a testimony with you. But I'll just share that actually this is exactly the meaning of baptism. So when Jesus went into the water, he was carrying your sin and my sin. He was carrying your nature and my nature. He was carrying our ancestry. So therefore, the old Adam went into the water in Christ. And out of, the, out of that came the new Adam. Out of the water, son and daughter of God. The old, the old sinful human nature went into the water. And out of that came purity and holiness. Broken nature went into the water and out of it came the nature of Jesus himself. And when we are baptized, we are entering into his baptismal power. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Actually, that was released to us through the cross. Till the cross, it was inside Jesus, released by his dying on the cross. And an experience by the Pentecost when this baptismal inner revelation was given to the whole church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They all became another Christ. They all entered his holiness. They entered into his ancestry. And suddenly, they were somebody else. My brother, my sister, I'm inviting you. Let's play a game I'm just using these terms for you to realize. Let's imagine this is true. <laughs> Let's imagine that actually this happened. And this next week, we'll begin to live as if this is really true for you. I'm using this terminology only to enter your mind only. But it's true. It's really true. And you need to enter into this truth. And you know what will happen? Little by little, these changes will begin to happen. We'll experience 
I am truly a beloved son and a daughter of God. Begin to know his value. Then you begin to hear the words, you are my beloved son. I'm well pleased with you. Then you begin to experience holiness in place of your sinfulness. And you begin to shine the new nature of Christ. Where does it all start? Believe and be baptized. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just like to share an experience of last week or from the week before. Uh, actually, uh, if you want to listen to the experience live, uh, go to the singular meeting on Maboli last week and the testimony is there. Uh, there was this young girl, a lady who came up to me a week before last. And uh, uh, she said that uh, she has this... Uh, now I can't remember the title. <laughs> it's a deep vein thrombosis. Yes, <laughs> deep vein thrombosis. And uh, that is incurable. And uh, uh, that she has to live with it, take medicine to thin her blood and live like that for the rest of her life. And uh, she lived in Israel and she had come home because uh, she couldn't work because of this, the pain and the, the, and the complications of her, of, her, of her sickness. So she came for the, uh, she came for the uh, meeting. And when she came for the meeting, uh, after she came to be prayed over, I asked her, why don't you wait a little bit? We'll pray for you after we finish the meeting. And uh, she agreed. And uh, here we are after the meeting. Uh, we we go to pray for her. I will explain how I prayed for her. Then you will begin to understand the meaning of baptism. I recollected the truth that I, I am a beloved son of the Father through the blood of Christ. That I am connected like Jesus is connected to the Father. I am connected. I claimed that through my baptism, I have, Jesus is sharing with me his authority. His authority to minister in his name. I claimed that truth. I believed it. And then I remembered and I claimed the promise that when I pray the words, the release will be from him and not from me. So once I claimed this gift of baptism, just laid on hands on her and prayed. So when we prayed first, uh, she said she's experiencing a peace, you know, but she was having pain and she was having swelling. So we prayed the second time. I asked two ladies to lay hands on the place where she was experienced the swelling and we prayed. And we asked her to walk. And when she walked up and down, the pain disappeared. And then she was really encouraged where the pain had been constant. And then we prayed the third time. There was some swelling that disappeared, but the swelling remained. But she felt good. And then she came the last Tuesday and she had gone to the doctors and gone through the test. And now the doctors tell her she no longer has any evidence of deep vein thrombosis. She has been completely healed by God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Shall we give the Lord a mighty hand, my brothers and sisters? Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 What I want to tell you is what I do with that. When she comes and testifies, you know what I do? I take this testimony and go back into my baptism. <laughs> and I feed on that. And I tell myself, what I'm believing is true. 
Now, if you limit this to your ego and think that you did it, you get lost. You, you lose this great blessing that is there in heaven. What is that? Jesus took my place, went into the water for me, and came out with all these gifts. So when I see the healing, what I tell myself is, what I'm believing about my baptism is absolutely true. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And it is not just for one person. It's for everyone who is baptized. The difference between maybe you and me at this moment is I'm believing it and you're not. You're just taking it casually. But if you believe it right directly, it's going to happen in you and through you in the most powerful way. And now it has become normal. Last Sunday I was in Gaul. There was this lady who came you know, for prayer. She said, my hand and my, my chest is paining. We prayed for her, received a word from the Lord that said, you know, you're doing heavy work and that's why. And she said, yes, I'm, I'm doing heavy labor. That's my job. I know this is painful. We prayed for her the third time. And then immediately the pain left. And then she says, we didn't know till that, you know, I couldn't lift my hand when I came here. Now my hand has become free, you know. We celebrate. But what are we celebrating? We are not only celebrating healing. We are not only celebrating the love of God. But we're also celebrating the gift of baptism and the power that he has given us, each and every one of us. Praise the Lord. Praise, Praise the Lord. And I want you to use it, first of all, to enter into the new life of holiness that God has for you. Number one. And number two, for God's sake, share it with other people that they may be set free by your love. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we just be in the presence of the Lord a moment. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we open our hearts to you. Lord, we pray to dispel the darkness of wrong understanding that has plagued our hearts and minds for a lifetime. We cast you out that we are alone, that we struggle by ourselves. And we pray for the replacement. Lord, we submerge our old ancestry of Adam that makes us powerless. We submerge our, our sinfulness that makes us prisoners. We submerge our old nature in you, in your baptism. And Lord, just right now, we believe that your new nature, your adopted sonship, your holiness is flowing through our lives, through our baptism, because we dare to believe. Heavenly Father, lead and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Tata.